Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. This is episode three of Poker, All the Games. We're coming at you from the east coast of the United States, February 2022. I'm your host, Sean online as Atomic Squeeze, New Cops, or Homebrew, depending on where you play. We have a fun and informative show for you today, where we'll be focusing on the game of Big O. You'll find out what I'm drinking for this episode, then we'll get to Big O, and end with news about a recent tournament in Atlantic City that wasn't prepared for the onslaught of poker players that have been deprived of live tournament play on the East Coast. Along the way, you'll hear about my recent play since our last episode, which includes three different poker games in two different casinos. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy shooting the shit about all things poker and beer. Since poker is a social sport, and I'm a brewer, and enjoy beer, and wait, 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 before we hear what I'm drinking for this episode... I want to be sure that everyone understands that I enjoy all types of alcohol, not just beer. Since I mention beer on every episode, I don't want anyone to think I'm a single-minded alcohol enjoyer. I drink, enjoy, and have also made wine. And while I haven't made them, I enjoy spirits as well, with bourbon being one of my favorites. Anyway, back to the beer. For this episode, I'm going to be drinking a Harpoon Winter Warmer. And while I said this on episode two, I'm going to say it again. You can never go wrong with a beer from Harpoon. Since this is labeled as a holiday ale, I figured I better get through the rest of my stash. Um, So that's what's going in the glass this week. Speaking of glassware, this beer sits nice in a tulip glass. So that's where it's at. The Harpoon Winter Warmer has an amber color. Let's take a sip. Okay, another sip. Oh, that's nice. There's those holiday spices, cinnamon and nutmeg, with a hint of sweetness coming through in this nice copper ale. This one is tasty and clocks in at 6.0% ABV. So let's get started. Just a quick reminder that our focus here is non-Hold'em poker. While many poker players and listeners may think that Hold'em and poker are synonymous like tissues and Kleenex, we're here to show, well, to tell, since it's a podcast, everyone that there are more than two dozen poker variations and numerous reasons why players should be dipping their toes in these games. So in this podcast series, We discuss poker, all the games. In today's episode, we'll be covering Big O. Why Big O? Well, it's popular due to its similarities with Hold'em, and it more closely resembles Omaha, another popular game 
which we discussed in episode two. The simplicity of the game mechanics and the action it provides from the addition of not two, but three more hold cards, hold cards than hold them. Yes, five hold cards dealt to each player makes it a haven for action junkies. Because, because of this, Big O appears to be the next game in line for most Hold'em players after they've tried their hands at Omaha. With that in mind, let's get to the general rules and play of Big O. As I said, Big O is similar to Hold'em and most closely resembles Omaha. The main difference in mechanics of Big O is that each player receives five hole cards. I've seen this game played high-low or high-only, high but today we'll be discussing the high-only version since we haven't gotten into high-low games yet in this podcast series. So before you sit down in a game of Big O, be sure if you're getting into the high-only or high-low version so you don't get in over your head before you've even taken a seat. This is a flop game, like Hold'em, with fixed limit or pot limit betting. The deal action, and general play of this game, although not the strategy, is the same as in Omaha, with the exception that players are dealt five down cards. In the end, each player will be dealt five down cards and use two of those five plus three of the five community cards to make a five-card hand. So you'll be dealt five whole cards or five down cards to each player. You'll use two of those plus three of the five community cards to make your best five-card hand. As I mentioned, this game could be played as a high-only or a split-pot high-low game, but today we're talking about Big O High, so the normal ranking of poker hands is utilized for that high hand. Let's go over some of the specifics of how to deal and play Big O High. Since Big O is played similarly to Omaha, except each player starts with five down cards, as opposed to the two in Hold'em and four in Omaha, much of these details will be familiar to many of you. However, let's go over the specifics of the deal and play for those who are interested in the details. A small blind and big blind are used for the two positions immediately to the left of the dealer button, respectively. After the blinds are posted, five cards are dealt to each player face down, one at a time, starting with the player to the immediate left of the dealer button, also known as the small blind, and proceeding clockwise around the table. A round of betting occurs, where each player, starting with the player to the left of the big blind, known as the the under-the-gun player, takes action as either folding, matching the big blind, or raising to a larger amount. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, a card is burned, and three cards are placed face up in the middle of the table with these three cards known as the flop. Another round of betting, or checking, raising, depending on prior action, takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and play continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, another card is burned and a fourth card known as fourth street or the turn, is placed face up to the immediate right of the flop cards. Another round of betting, checking, or raising takes place, again beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, 
another final card is burned, and a fifth card, known as Fifth Street, or the River card, is placed faced up to the immediate right of the Fourth Street turn card. Another round of betting, checking, raising takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button, who is still in the hand, and continues clockwise around the table. Finally, there's a showdown, where a winner is determined with the best high hand being made using exactly two of the player's whole cards plus three of the community cards. So that's the deal and mechanics of Big O. Let's go over some beginner's tips to get you started in this game of Big O. First and foremost, you'll have to adapt to five card pre-flop ranges. So for those in Hold'em, right, we're uh, used to two card ranges. There's a lot of charts out with, with pre-flop and post-flop ranges in Hold'em based on two cards. In Omaha, there's four. We talked, we talked in the last episode about Omaha and uh, the, the possibilities of Omaha with four cards. Now in Big O, five cards. So you have five whole cards, so you have to adapt to those five card pre-flop ranges. The fifth card becomes important to be coordinated with the other four and not what's in this game called the dangler. So a dangler is a single card that doesn't coordinate with the others in your four card hand. For example, if you have, uh, sorry, in a five card hand in Big O, th- thinking, about, thinking about Omaha, still on episode two. Um, so if you have a five card hand, Let's say you happen to get dealt a monster, you know, monster Broadway straight five card hand of ace, jack, queen, king, deuce. Just to make it simple, ace, jack, queen, king, deuce are your five whole cards dealt to you in big O. The deuce would be called the dangler. It doesn't doesn't really match the other cards in big O high. For playing high low, another story, but that's another episode for another time. Play... Play aces, broadways, um, cards, right? Big cards, tens, jacks. We mentioned our, our five cards starting hand, ace, jack, queen, king, deuce, with, you know, a, 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 the dangler being a deuce. But play play big cards, big, big hands like that. Aces, broadways, tens, jacks, queens, kings, um, as, as raising or re-raising hands. <clears throat> big hands players wait for, ace, king, queen, jack, uh, 10, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. So man, I got to get, got to get myself into the, uh, into the, into the big O, but, uh, players, uh, I'm stuck on, uh, stuck on big O high low. So, you know, big hands, big Broadway hands, big high pair hands. Um, you can go with some middling pairs, but you want to be a little careful as a beginner player. I would play tight as with any game that we talk about in this series. A lot of beginners tips play tight, get used to the game, and then as you advance, you can start uh, loosening up your ranges. So hands with all Broadway cards can perform well um, in the game of Big O. Um, You're going to have to learn to read bigger draws. Uh, Flushes are more frequent in Big O than in Omaha. If you have any familiarity with Omaha, flushes are are frequent. You you basically need a nut flush in Omaha. Um, a lot of times the second nut flush is no good. You have to, you certainly have to be cautious with the second, third or fourth, uh, even a jack high flush. You have to be, uh, cautious in Omaha. So you have to adapt to the fact that in big O flushes are going to be even more frequent than in a four card Omaha. Uh, some, some advice, some, 
some other kind of tips, but not on hand selection, but just sort of game selection. The average five-card Omaha player, Big O, also known as five-card Omaha, the average Big O player is much worse than the average four-card or standard Omaha player. Since relatively little high-level analysis of five-card Omaha or Big O games is readily available. So again, the average five-card Big O player is much worse than the average Omaha player because there's little high-level analysis of Big O. A decent five, so a decent Big O player who finds enough traffic should be able to score some significant profits. So now is a great time to get started. Early. Well, no, not a lot of people know a lot about the game. While there's not a lot of analysis out there about it, learn the basics that I mentioned above. Play tight. Adjust your pre-flop ranges. Uh, get sticky if you've got a great hand. Uh, let go of it. Fold if you uh, if your hand isn't uh, working out on the flop and turn. Just just bow out. Save some money. Um, and I mean, those are those are some of the basics. But uh, uh, if you can get uh, start playing, get some experience in this game, you can uh, you can come a long way and uh, catch up real quick uh, uh, to any players that are out there and uh, and make some money. So those are some basic rules to get you started in a game of Big O that'll put you ahead of uh, a lot of the other players. All right, let's uh, let's move on and talk about my recent play since uh, episode two and. I know you. I know what you're gonna say as I as I talk about what I'm gonna my, my recent play, but I'm not syncing my play with these ap- episodes very well. Uh, since I'm, uh, you know, I hate excuses, but since I'm not in Las Vegas, it's not easy to come by some of these games that I discuss on this podcast. But have faith. Eventually, some of the episodes will link up with what I play and what we discuss in the episodes. So anyway, on to my recent play. Uh, I was at uh, Parks Casino recently in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, playing a 612 OE with Kill. For those that don't know, OE is a rotation of Omaha 8 or better and 7 card stud 8 or better. So I mentioned 612 OE. So 612 are the stakes, $6 and $12, 6 on the early streets, and then 12 on the later streets. So those are the stakes, 612, OE, Omaha 8 or better, and 7-card stud 8 or better. And I mentioned it's also with a kill. And kill is another term we haven't talked about, so briefly I'll go over that. A kill pot is when the stakes in a limit game are usually doubled from the posted amount. So with that in mind, normally the 612 OE game, if there's a kill pot, would go to 1224, but... This particular game is a 612. When there's a kill pot, the stakes go to 1020. A lot of that just has to do with the chips that are in play, just to make it simpler as far as counting out chips, etc. Um, in this particular game, uh, they play with a, a different denomination chip. It just makes it easier. So anyway, the game, this is a kill. The normal stakes are 612. When there's a kill pot, the stakes go to 1020. So the games can get big. So when or what is a kill pot well a kill pot is triggered when a player wins two pots in a row in a high low split pot game like like this oe game right omaha eight or better and stud eight or better it's a split pot game so this trigger can be counted when one player scoops a pot that is 
when one player wins both the high and low portions of the same hand, a kill pot can be triggered. And the stakes then go to 10-20. At the Parks Casino, each game is a 30-minute rotation. So we have a 30-minute rotation of Omaha 8, followed by a 30-minute rotation of Stud 8, and then back to 30-minute rotation of Omaha 8, and it continues on like that. Conveniently, the dealers rotate tables at 30-minute intervals, so when a new dealer comes in, the game changes. Now, there are some other caveats uh, that go along with the kill pot, but uh, we're not going to get bogged down in that. It's not not, not terribly important, but uh, this is a 6-12 game at Parks Casino um, with a kill. So I was on the wait list for, I don't know, I mean, something like an hour and a half and finally got seated. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure what the complaints are about poker rooms, you know, in, in casinos uh, saying they're not busy, there's not enough players for for tables and that we had to shrink our rooms etc etc uh quite frankly i think it's a bunch of bullshit and uh there'll be an episode where we get into uh my thoughts about uh about card rooms and and casinos uh with poker rooms and where we should be taking that in this country uh but that's a, a another topic for uh for another episode so at this particular game, there was a player from New York at the table who plays in New York, obviously, in an OE game with similar stakes. And he's saying everyone is capping the pot there before the flop. So, so this guy's coming into this this game, and uh, he's used to seeing, he said, pots swell in, in his New York game up to five, six, seven hundred $700 a pot. So so this 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 gentleman is used to that, you know, coming into this game where uh, we're, not, we're not capping pre-flop. Um, uh, the Omaha portion certainly got got everybody a little crazy. Uh, a lot of a lot of big bets there, but uh, certainly not in the five, six, seven hundred dollar range. You know, some of the Omaha pots were getting up, maybe a couple hundred dollars or so. So the point is, you know, you got to watch somebody like that. He starts talking about the action he's used to, and then he's in this game. He's going to try to bump it up, so he's going to play aggressively because he's used to playing a lot higher stakes. Used to well, the stakes are similar, but he's used to playing with. With more aggressive, more aggressive players, so he's gonna try to be table captain in this particular game where uh, where the money seems a bit small to him, and it might be you know a little more significant or regular for for the rest of us. And for those of you who think no limit hold'em pots get big, I can tell you, you'd be surprised at how quickly limit game pots can rival many of those in no limit hold'em. So there was another regular player at the table who was who was who was sitting to my right that I began eh, talking to about the mixed games at Borgata, and we ended up having a discussion with the table, including the dealer, about stud games and mixed games at the Borgata Casino in Atlantic City. And speaking of Borgata, I don't want to give it away, but we're going to revisit them in our final topic of this episode. But not before I tell you that in this particular game, OE game, I played for somewhere around three hours, and I, I dusted off $300. So, you know, it's how it goes. However, since I don't get to play Omaha 8 or Stud 8 often, remember, I'm not in Las Vegas, I said, and it's tough to find these games live uh, on the East Coast, let alone in the same rotation. I look at this as more about me kicking the tires and getting practice with reading boards and hands, which is much more difficult um, in high-low games than, uh, than reading a hold'em board. Anyway, after picking myself up from that loss, I ended up at Wind Creek in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, 
a few days later in a one-two no-limit hold'em session. Actually, the following day, ended up at Wind Creek um, in a one-two no-limit session. Since we all hear so much about hold'em, I'm not going to go into detail about this session, except to say I brought some great conversation to the table and got some of the regulars to engage in conversation. As you see, poker is more than sitting stone-faced with hoodie and headphones, at least for me it is. Part of playing cards for me is the social aspect of the game, and that's why I generally play mixed games. And that's why this podcast, part of why, one of the many reasons why this podcast is about mixed games. Mixed games are more social than the average Hold'em game. But mixed game players are more social. Sorry, <laughs> the players, right, are, are social in the game itself, um, not necessarily. But mixed game players are more social than the average Hold'em player. But in this particular session of Hold'em, we got to discussing how a few of us aren't big fans of online play for reasons that varied from too many bots, uncertainty about the integrity of some of the online sites, including bot play, and the fact that live play is just so much more engaging. Which I guess explains why this table, this Hold'em table, happened to uh, happen to be engaging in conversation with me um, rather than just sitting cold, stone-faced, uh, <laughs> and acting like we were bots at a live table. You'll find if you're at a table with me in any poker game, be ready to not only play cards but also to engage in conversation. Remember, hear me say this is a social sport, and that's why I'm drinking a beer on every episode. <laughs> And oh yeah, one final thing, I recovered almost my entire 300 loss from that OE session in this Hold'em session. So that was nice. All right, finally, let's talk about some news in the poker world. Soon, we'll be discussing the WSOP 2022 schedule. But since that hasn't been released yet, let's talk about something a little closer to home. And literally closer to home since this podcast is recorded on the East Coast. Let's talk about the Borgata Tournament Clusterfuck. Now, we all know it's not a surprise. Players have been itching for live tournaments to return, especially on the East Coast. With the exception of the Hard Rock Tournaments in Florida, the Hard Rock Seminole Tournaments in Florida, which have been rocking the poker world, the East Coast live tournament scene has been all but non-existent. So, Borgata tried to appease that appetite with a $400 buy-in, $200,000 guaranteed President's Day weekend no-limit hold'em tournament on Saturday, February 20, 2022. And they were definitely not prepared for the onslaught of players that showed up to play. Lines were wrapped through the casino, and a number of players had to be turned away. Even after some had traveled from outside the area, stayed at the casino hotel, and eventually stood waiting for hours in line to try to get a seat to play. If you want, you can check out a video posted on Twitter from Ryan DePaulo to get an idea of the number of players that were waiting in line for the registration debacle. A lot of other players also posted their disappointment on Twitter, so you can check that out if you want to get more of an idea of, uh, of those who were there, get some, some short Twitter videos and, uh, and some, some Twitter feedback. Um, a lot of people posting about their, their disappointment about the, uh, the way the Borgata registration uh, was run. In any event, from a, from a dollar perspective, the tournament was a win, crushing the guarantee with 800 players in the first of two flights alone. 
Well, that's all for episode three, Big O. Thank you for listening to Poker, All the Games. Join us again in two weeks for episode four, where we're going to move away from flop games and talk about one of my favorite non-hold'em games, Seven Card Stud. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Thank you.